I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I found in my own life that I gain even more from these inspired sermons when I study them in greater depth. The basic pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught, find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle, and then also recognizing the promised blessings if we act in accordance with that invitation. Welcome to Words of the Prophets, a podcast where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My name is Todd, and today I have with me my daughter, Aaliyah. How are you, Aaliyah? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Any invitations that you've been working on? Um, I think the one for me is from the Space Blinds talk, where he was, I think it's that one, where he was talking about how um, we should be trying, instead of trying to get into heaven, we should be trying to live with Heavenly Father again. And mm-hmm. so I think I've been trying to switch my mindset just a little. N- not like a huge adjustment, but just a little, you know? Awesome. That was Elder Danes, Sir, We Would Like mm-hmm. to See Jesus. Yeah, that was a great one. Um, What are you doing to change your mindset? Um... I think just trying to, like, imagine the people, Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, instead of just, like, this ambiguous concept that exists. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, like, trying to visualize and, like, prayers um, less of just, like, a like a checkbox, like, do what I need to do and stay what I need to say and repent and whatever, and more of a, like, Trying to like imagine I'm actually talking to God. Right. Awesome. I've said it many times before. I'm actually a big fan of the checkbox. Um, Indeed. But not as the ultimate end, but as a jumping off point, right? As Mm -hmm. doing something when you don't feel like doing it or you're not sure how to do it or what to do. You start there and then you move up to the relationship. So love it. Great. We also have with us today, Rivka and Burke. How are you today, Rivka? I'm doing really well. Awesome. Are there any invitations you would like to update us on? Well, I've started trying to um, be more mindful of and increase my gratitude for those who are serving in all the different ways around um, in the church around me, you know, inspired by Elder Bednar's talk. And today, during our fifth Sunday meeting at church, we, for part of it, there was a panel that was asked some questions, and they were all representatives of ward leadership. There was a member of the bishopric and the Elders Corman Relief Society presidents were there, and then also the um, president of the older young women class, and I and one of the assistants to the bishop, and probably the first assistant um, in the priest quorum. And so we, it was just so interesting, one, to see the youth up there as leadership of the ward and answering questions in this combined youth and adult fifth Sunday. And, and I was thinking about, you know, as I was just looking at those people, all of whom I love dearly. Um, yeah, it was just a moment because I'd been doing this. i took some time to think about how grateful I was for each one of them and and thought about the work that they do and the ways that they serve. 
And so, yeah, it, it's nothing like earth shattering, but I'm hopeful that as I continue to do this, I will, um, that it will, it will increase my, um, appreciation for even being at church. Sometimes it's hard to do that. <laughs> you know, we, sometimes we don't always want to be there or I don't right. know. Yeah. And we have 9am church and it's sticking that way. Hey. So sometimes 9am church is a little rough, but it's, it is enhancing my, my experience there. And so that's, that's my goal. Awesome. I love that. Thank you. And now we move on to Burke. How are you today, Burke? Doing great. Awesome. I'm tempted to ask you what you fixed this weekend, but instead I'm going to ask you what invitations you've been working on. <laughs> so I'm continuing on uh, my topical guide study of uh, Jesus Christ names and roles. So, Awesome. Any new insights? I don't know if I have any new insights other than because I was asked um, to talk a little bit in our fifth Sunday meeting today about how studying an attribute of Jesus Christ or attempting to change our attribute um, has changed me in the last few weeks. I've realized since I started that study, and it hasn't been very long, there are certain things, I should say predispositions, ways I look at problems, choices I make in my the way I spend time or my media consumption that have just subtly changed. And I'm reminded mm. of President Nelson saying as he studied the life of Jesus Christ, he became a different person. And I actually feel like I'm becoming a different person. And I don't feel like I've made a lot of great realizations in that study, but it's changing me anyway. So that's amazing. Yeah. That's what studying the gospel does, right? Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. And um, I think we can all take... Uh, your example and run with that and Elder Nelson's example. He was in the quorum of the 12 at the time, not the president of the church when he first did that and uh, study the savior some more. So yeah. speaking of that, I finally, finally, w well, well after Burke did, uh, finished Jesus the Christ. Um, wow. <laughs> so I was reading it, not listening to it. And I was using the study notes version. I don't even know what they call it, but some BYU professors sort of came in a hundred years later. It was like an anniversary edition and said, well, here's some new historical stuff that we knew we know now that he didn't know then and things like that. And so it was lengthy and it was challenging. I sent a few quotes to Aliyah and she's like, I'm not even sure I understand what that sentence means. <laughs> um, challenging to read. And um, I got to say it, so this might be anticlimactic. It didn't have the same impact it had on me as a missionary when I was a missionary and read it for the first time. And I realized a huge amount of it was sort of summary um, of things that I already know now um, from just being knowledgeable, more knowledgeable than I was as a missionary about the scriptures. So, you know, you go on at length and quote at length from the New Testament and then he'd have like a short interpretation of a parable or something like that. And um, so a lot of it was summary. So it didn't have quite the same impact as it did the first time I read it. Um, I still did learn some things and he has a lot of great things to say, but it was, it was a good experience nonetheless to just immerse myself in the life of the Savior. So it was really good. All right. With that, we'll move on from our invitations to the talk for today, which is tithing, opening the windows of heaven by Elder Neil L. Anderson of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Um, you know, we 
if somehow we must have accidentally deleted, if you didn't hear it, the, the podcast episode where we talked about the sustaining of the general authorities, it was super riveting and interesting. It was like three hours long. Um, I'll try to see if I can find the copy of that, but for today, we're going to keep on trucking to tithing. And so we'll start with Rivka. Rivka, what was your fundamental doctrine from this great talk on tithing? Rivka was bitten by the mute. I totally bug. was. I, I fixed it. I fixed it. It's okay. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for, I am like developing a complex about going first now. Okay. <laughs> going on. Wow. Being wonderful is that difficult, is it? Yes. <laughs> no. But, no. Because I steal someone's and then I'm given grief. I don't know how you're seeing that as wonderful. Because you are you are what the listener the wants world. to hear. Let's <laughs> not, <laughs> not exaggerate situations. Here's my... I, sp <laughs> I speak for all of us when we say it's okay if you steal our fundamental doctrine. And we only give you grief because we love you. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Harassment equals love. That's what Burke tries to tell me. Um, okay, <laughs> here's mine. The world speaks of tithing in terms of our money, but the sacred law of tithing is principally a matter of faith. Being honest in our tithes is one way we show our willingness to put the Lord first in our lives above our own cares and interests. I just think that's that was probably my fundamental one because because ter like money is is what the world wants and craves. So of course the world speaks of tithing in terms of money. But, like, God does not need our money. <laughs> he doesn't. Yeah. Everything we have is his already. All the gold and, and jewels and riches of this earth, they're already his. Um, so he doesn't, he doesn't need our money. Um, and I was thinking about this week, there's a talk by Elder Holland. It's not about tithing, but in it, he's trying to call the disciples to... Um, be fishers of men right and then he they go through this whole mortal jour journey with him with his ministry he dies he is resurrected and they're like well let's go back fishing and the senior comes again and is like i need you to i need you to go teach and i love the way that elder holland said it he's like he he's you know taking some artistic liberties of quoting the savior here but he's like peter if i need fish i can get fish <laughs> what I need are disciples. And right. I think that same thing applies to tithing. Like if he needs money, if he can get money. He doesn't need our money. But what he needs are um, are his children to be given opportunities to learn obedience and faithfulness. And that's what the law of, of tithing is about. Awesome. Tithing is about faith, not about money. Yeah. I love it. Well, Burke, did she steal yours or do you have another one? I absolutely marked the same one. Um, <laughs> do you know what's the worst but, about that? Is I have doctrine written by like four different things. And I was like, I'll just pick one of these. Surely that's enough. But I, want, I did want to talk a little bit about, because yes, I marked that. I felt that was the fundamental doctrine. But the thought I had around it, similar but a little bit different. That's because whenever we come to talk about money, the worldly view of it is so loud in my brain, sort of the cynical part. And and I think it would be easy to be like, oh, sure, a member, a member of the Quorum of Twelve gets up and says, give us your money. Um, 
And I remember this coming up in a financial podcast that I listened to where I'm guessing the person who was asking the question was a member of the church. And I'm pretty sure the person who runs the podcast was a member of the church, even though neither of them said so, but made a question in regards to some of the things that went on with some IRS um, issues maybe that the church had that's been resolved. But anyway, and it was, you know, should I still be paying tithing as part of my financial plan to an institution that doesn't support my views? And the answer that the podcaster gave was, of course not. Of course you shouldn't pay tithing to, you know, an organization you don't agree with. And so I was thinking through that in my mind and I was thinking about, you know, the scripture in Malachi. And so basically what we learn is God requires tithing. And so then the question becomes, well, how do I pay my tithing to God? Because, you know, he doesn't have a bank here. And so then it's, if you believe that God exists and that he requires tithing, then you need to pay tithing to the organization he's established on the earth. And so then it becomes incumbent on you to figure out what that is. And once you make it through those steps, well, then paying tithing isn't that difficult. But again, it's really based on faith in that you're giving tithing to the organization that God wants it given to. And that needs to be between you and God. I like that, Burke. He even, he talks about that here and it's an answer that people who are approaching from the worldly view wouldn't really like at all. Yeah. He says, um, he's talking about President Hinckley um, having a conversation with his dad and the answer his dad says is what the authorities of the church do with it, meaning the money, need not concern you, Gordon. They are answerable to the Lord who will, who will require an accounting at their hands. So sure, the podcaster is saying, well, transparency and so on. And here he's sort of going the other way of the world saying, nope, this is between the leaders and the Lord. And, you know, you just have faith in the the Lord and pay your tithing. And if they mishandle it, then it's going to, they're going to, you know, pay the consequences. Yeah. And yeah. So it's sort of saying if you are someone who accepts tithing on behalf of the Lord, you are incurring a great responsibility. Mm. Um. Indeed. And I was thinking a lot about the the Quorum of the Twelve here, but phrasing it like that, Burke, I remember how big of a burden the sacred funds were when I was bishop. I had more heartache over welfare matters than anything else in uh, my calling as bishop. And just that incredible balance between these are sacred funds, this is the widow's might, Um, but it's specifically here to help people. I did have people commit welfare fraud. And so feeling that those funds were mishandled or, or, you know, perhaps even, um, I don't want to say the word stolen, but sort of taken in a way that was dishonest. Um, yeah, it's a huge emotional and spiritual burden on a local level. I can't even imagine how they, the quorum of the 12 feels on an international global level. So Yeah. Um, but I guess the, it goes back to the answer being doctrine. Like you said, Burke, if you believe this is the Lord's church, then you have faith, you pay your tithing and, and let them work that out between them and the Lord. Okay. Um, well, let's go on to Aaliyah. Did you have a different fundamental doctrine, Aaliyah? I did actually. Sweet. (laughs) I highlighted the spiritual power of the divine law of tithing is not measured by the amount of money contributed for both the prosperous and the poor are commanded by the Lord to contribute 10% of their income. The power Mm. is from placing our trust in the Lord. So I feel like there's a lot of, I don't know, 
material worldly connections you could draw between tithing a group of people and like taxing a group of people and whatever like there's a lot of different things but here he's like it doesn't matter how much necessarily you're giving um it's coming from the trust like that power from on the church level and on like an individual level is gained from the lord and not from the amount of money that's being moved around and so i really like that awesome kind of similar to what rivka said it's a, it's about faith it's not about money mm-hmm. and or trust in this case so great well let's go back to rivka um who is patient uh with us and endures our our harassment um, and you're welcome to give us a different Hi. fundamental doctrine or any <laughs> other quote that you that really stood out to you from this talk. Um, I love you all. <laughs> and uh, I love the teasing and the being here. Okay, let's see. How about... Oh, here's one that I thought was really fascinating. Um, the Lord clearly directed how tithing should be dispersed, saying, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse meaning bring the tithes into his restored kingdom, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He directed that the use of these sacred tithes would be prayerfully considered by a council of the First Presidency, the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, the Presiding Bishopric, and by mine own voice unto them, saith the Lord. And I loved that, I love when they talk a bit about just how things function in, you know, in the sort of business organizational aspect of the church generally. So for for those, I don't know, I don't think I ever really thought about the specifics of the council that dealt with the tithes, but it's the first presidency, the quorum of the 12, the presiding bishopric and Jesus Christ. Um, and I just think that's really incredible, <laughs> especially that, you know, like they're all counseling about it and then, and and the Lord Jesus Christ is guiding them in that um, as they counsel. And I'm always grateful for the reminder that the person whose church this is, is Jesus Christ and that he is actively involved in, in the running of his church. And it got me thinking this week about the times that I have been involved with the way that tithing has blessed people, um, you know, with Ted, when he goes through that in this talk, a lot of different ways, but I mean, you know, as you, as you deal with it in leadership callings and you watch the way that those funds blessed people in, in your ward and through temples and through missions. And I think one of the things that, continually strengthens my testimony in the um, doctrine of tithing and the fact that it is the Savior who is asking it of us and who gives the blessings is that anytime I've had an interaction with the blessings of tithing, I have felt the power of Jesus Christ in that. And so for me, um, that is a testimony that, that this is in fact his church that the law of tithing is something that he is asking us to do and that the blessings that come from it are real. Yeah. I love that insight, Rivka. It's it's easy to picture the Savior sitting at the head of a table 
um, where they're counseling about these tithes. And though he may not be there physically, you know, he's yeah, he's spiritually guiding guiding the work. So fantastic. Uh, okay, Burke, how about you? What other quotes really stood out to you? All right. Uh, you know what? Actually, we've talked about most of the stuff I marked here, unless I can talk about an invitation, which I'm going to do anyway. Yeah, so, go for it. Because this is what stood out to me the most, probably because it's an issue that I'm prone to. Um, he brings up in 1998 when uh, Elder Eyring was speaking to a large church meeting in the Utah area that's now known as Silicon Slopes. And at that time, you know, tech was really booming. Um, he says it was a time of growing prosperity and Elder Eyring cautioned the saints about comparing what they had with others and wanting more. And... I am prone. I think as many of us are, I'm, I'm prone to this. You know, you surround your pe- yourself with the things of the world and with people and work and you see all these nice things and you start to think, well, why don't I have that? And, you know, lifestyle creep is a real thing. I look back at what my family lived on when I was in residency and what we live on now and they're very different things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I lament for the simplicity um, that we had then. But he says this, I will always remember his promise that as they paid an honest tie, their desire for more material possessions would diminish. And I don't know that's a blessing of tithing that I'd ever thought about before, but it's definitely one that I am grateful for in as much as I can find contentment with the things I do have. And I also think I will pray for this more in the future um, to be realized as I pay my tithing. Yeah, I... I was struck by that as well, Burke. Do you feel like then that you have had that blessing uh, from paying tithing? Uh, you know, I'd have to say absolutely and that I spend much less time pining after things I don't have than, than I think actually even a lot of people that I spend time with and especially in the world of, um, you know, high-earning physicians and how, you know, where's your vacation house and where's your most recent extremely expensive vacation to and you know what cool cars do you drive and all that stuff and I you know Rivka and I have been blessed with many nice things but I think this has helped me in coming to the realization that money truly doesn't make you happy even though Mm -hmm. as I think I've spoken about before I I thought I would be the exception to that rule and (laughs) (laughs) But if you tried hard enough, <laughs> I don't think I aspire to try any harder on that particular one. Indeed, that's uh, that hits home for me, Burke. As we were doing, um, we were making very good financial choices in Wisconsin, and then we moved to California, and uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not going so hot compared to what it used to be. Yeah, and still, I feel the pull. Like everyone around me owns an electric car, that mm-hmm. sure would be nice to have an electric car, and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, so I have to fight against that in our current situation. So thanks for a reminder of that blessing that's out there available to us. Um, I think we're back to Aaliyah now. Did you have another quote that stood out to you from this talk? Yes. Um, Rivka kind of touched on this a little bit, but, um, it says the added abundance of the Lord, um, conveyed through your generous ties has strengthened the reserves of the church, providing opportunities to advance the Lord's work beyond anything we have yet experienced. All is known by the Lord, and in time we'll see his sacred purposes fulfilled. Um, and so he mentions, like, there's a lot of kind of more obvious ways that tithing is 
um, the effects of having these visualized like um, natural disaster relief efforts or welfare on the local level and things like that. But he also mentioned in this talk the five um, highest education institutions. Um, and I obviously am taking part in one of those, BAE Provo. And it not only makes everything about the school experience cheaper, except for housing, <laughs> but also the school, like I'm in a program where there's only 18 of us. There's only 18 music composition majors, um, I think, last I checked. And um, yet BYU is still paying for, to like fly out different composers. We've had like, I don't know, I can name four or five right now and we're like halfway through the semester and there's a bunch more planned. Um, just like to come and talk to us about being com composers and how to do things like that. And so that's a very, very specific blessing. Um, and it says in that quote that he's, that this hiding is advancing the Lord's work. Um, and although like me getting advice and hearing things from other composers doesn't really seem like it is, I'm also being trained and more better prepared to go out into the world and make an impact on things and be a more Christ-like um, person on a music side and a business side and personal side. And so the effect that BYU is having on me will translate into what I can contribute to the rest of the world and society and whatever in my little sphere of influence. And so like that little, that little thing that timing is doing that most people will never know about or see is still making an impact on a lot more people, more than just me or the composers in that room. Awesome. That is an incredible, like concrete blessing of tithing in your life. So yeah, what an amazing awesome. example. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And I appreciate it too, as someone who graduated from BYU, um, it prepared me very well for my career. And I, I am deeply grateful for the, the amount of money that goes into educating the members of the church through BYU. So I would agree as well, um, having benefited from that myself. Awesome. <laughs> I did want to share one quote from here uh, with our last few minutes. And it resonated with me because we recently had state conference and had a visiting general authority who taught this exact principle, but in a way that for some reason just struck home when it hadn't before. So Elder Anderson, under the heading, Prove Me Now Herewith, says, All that we have and all that we are comes from God. As disciples of Christ, we willingly share with those around us. So this visiting general authority, rather than focusing on, you know, hey, that blessing came from the Lord, your job came from the Lord, those sorts of things, he talked about how under the law of consecration and just the general principle that God gives us everything, nothing that we own is ours. So even if I do buy an, an electric car, that's not mine. It's the Lord's and I have momentary stewardship over it. And this general authority told a great story about being a bishop and they've built a house and they fell in love with this like special flooring, wood flooring, 24 inch wide planks that they special ordered from a tree that only grows in Vermont. It was like this thing that he loved mm -hmm. and obviously it was expensive. And they had just put it in. They didn't even have furniture on it. And they had the youth over for an event. And the first youth who walked in was like, oh, check out these amazing floors. And they ran and slid across the floor. And they had like a key in their pocket that scratched the floor. 
Oh, no. And his, yeah. His first instinct was like, what are you doing? Um, and then he heard the spirit tell him, you don't own those floors. They're not yours. They're mine. And you have stewardship over them. And it was just a powerful reminder to me that not only is everything I own the Lord's because he blessed me with it, but it's literally not mine. Like I, I don't, I don't own it. It's the Lord's and, um, one day it will all be meaningless. So electric car or no electric car, you know, none of those things are going to ultimately matter. But what I did with my money to bless the human race is going to mean a lot more. So, um, I, I thought, and, and maybe that won't resonate with people. I don't know. But for me, there's something I've heard all my life that, you know, um, all that we have comes from God, but for some reason, sort of turning that around and saying, not only does it come from God, but nothing that we have is truly ours really hit home for me and just helped me realize how fleeting uh, all this material stuff is. So, yeah, if you really had eternal ownership of it, you'd be able to take it with you when you went. Yes. <laughs> Which you cannot. And you cannot. <laughs> well, you do and not I... get 24 inch wide Vermont tree planks in your mansion in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe you do, but you just won't care about them in the same way you do now. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and with both what you and Aaliyah said, Todd, kind of went along with something else I was thinking this week. Um, he says in the middle of kind of this list of different things that the church does with their tithing money, he says, because of your faithful ties, the church is being established in faraway places. You may never visit among righteous saints. You may never know. Um and then later he says, these blessings and so many more come in large measure from the young and old of every economic circumstance who pay an honest tithe. And I think most of the times that I've ever been in discussions and classes or things like that about tithing, we talk about the blessings that come from paying tithing that will come into our lives. But this week I was thinking about um, how it my, how it changes the way I think about it. Um, if I consider that the blessings that come from my paying tithing, what if those blessings don't come to me? What if they go to other, like, what if they go to somebody else mm -hmm. that I never, and I never know about it? Um, and how that, I, you know, if I consider that, it actually, for me, makes me, um, it like adds a, a depth of beauty to paying my tithing. Because I mean, yes, I want the blessings that come from it, but the, but the idea that my being obedient to this commandment could directly bless another person's life, that was just, it was um, something I hadn't thought about until this week, thinking about this. Topic. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a great insight that he gave and that you expanded upon. Thank you, Rivka. Well, the overarching invitation here is to pay tithing. And Burke um, talked a little bit about an invitation and promise and Rivka sort of talked about a promise here as well that will bless the lives of others but what other invitations and promises did we find and we'll just start with you Rivka anything else here uh well just the invitation from God where he says prove me now herewith mm. it's like the most direct <laughs> yeah thing that God maybe has ever said um <laughs> you know he's like I will open the heavens so there's more than you can possibly receive try me and, love it, and that's a great invitation because the promise is uh, that he will bless you with all the stuff that that he has that you need. So that's cool. Fantastic. 
Burke, how about you? Any other invitations or promised blessings? Well, I just really liked right here at the end, this last paragraph, which is interesting because he talks about tithing the whole time. And then he has this last paragraph where he says, there will be those who, or last section, there will be those who cheer us forward and those who do not. And I thought, okay, yeah, what does that have to do with tithing? And he doesn't really bring up tithing again in this last little bit, but then he quotes President um, Nelson right at the end saying, in coming days, we will see the greatest manifestations of the Savior's power that the world has ever seen. Between now and the time he returns, he will bestow countless privileges, blessings, and miracles upon the faithful. And so I've just been pondering that clearly he's saying this is a response to the things that have come before. Um, and I think it goes along with all the things that you've talked about, um, you know, especially Rivka and it blessing not just my life, but the lives of everyone who is touched by the church in any way. Yeah. I, I had to ponder that last section too, Burke, of like, how is he tying this to tithing? So I appreciate your insights on that. Um, Aaliyah, let's end with you. Um, I like this simple one. He's talking about receiving the blessings of tithing. Um, he says, trust in the Lord's timing. The blessings always come. So he was teaching, trust, promise, there will be blessings at some point. They always come. <laughs> <laughs> straightforward and something to hang on to uh, in the hard times. I love it. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, good talk about tithing today. The next one we're going to discuss is Preserving the Voice of the Covenant People in the Rising Generation by Brother Jan E. Newman, uh, second counselor in the Sunday School General Presidency. In the meantime, Aliyah is going to tell you how to get a hold of us. You can email us at warsoftheprovincepodcast at gmail.com or you can message us or comment on our Facebook or Instagram at warsoftheprovincepodcast. Awesome. So thanks for joining us today. And until next time, keep the faith. If we teach by the Spirit and you listen by the Spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.